I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 146. Psalm 146. We're going to be for our time together this morning. Uh, before uh, we read our text, though, I, I just wanted to, to take a minute to say thank you uh, to everyone for uh, all the meals and all the gifts that we received after the birth of Keturah. Uh, this church has been a, a real blessing to us over the years, and uh, so we, we just wanted to say uh, thank you. Uh, we can say with the Apostle Paul in, in Philippians 4, verse 18, uh, we have received full payment and more. Uh, we are well supplied, and we trust uh, that God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So thank you for your blessing to us. Uh, if you have your Bibles open, follow along with me as I read for us uh, Psalm 146, beginning in verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. I don't know about you, but I, I feel like Christmas came quickly, uh, which is weird because I, I feel like uh, time was actually moving at a pretty reasonable pace this year as opposed to previous years. But then, I don't know, something happened around the middle of December and uh, the pace started to pick up to the point where today is Christmas Eve. I don't know if you knew that or not, but it is, uh, whether we're ready or not. But, and I don't know about you, but as the pace started to quicken, uh, I, I found myself less reflecting on the meaning of the season. And instead, because I'm, I'm more of an anxious person by nature, I, I found myself more reflecting on all that I still needed to get done. And, and, you know, this season, unfortunately, and it's, it's, it's us, not, not the season itself, uh, has a tendency to, uh, to, to rob us of our joy. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's more on us than the, than the season. Now, maybe you don't have this problem. You know, maybe, uh, maybe the Christmas season comes and goes and uh, you're not the least bit anxious about it because it'll all work out in the end, you know. But um, if, you're, if you're like that, that's great. 
you know, continue, continue that. But, but if you're more like me, um, it, you may, you may find yourself consumed by worry. You, you may find yourself tempted to uh, have your joy robbed uh, from you. Um, and, and I mean, you know, maybe you're worried about Christmas plans. Maybe you're worried about the fact that you might not have enough food or gifts. Uh, maybe you're worried about your health or the health of a loved one. Uh, maybe you're worried about your children, uh, your grandchildren. Uh, and, and while, you know, these things are, are good things or legitimate things, our worry over them can, can have an impact on our praise. You know, our worry can impact our praise. Um, we, we might sing praises to God, but if we're consumed by worry, uh, we're, we're often not maybe necessarily reflecting on the words that we're singing. Um, it, it's hard, and I had to, to consciously think through this as we we're singing songs about joy. I don't know if you picked up on that this morning. Uh, but it's hard to sing how great our joy and joyful, joyful, we adore thee and good Christian men rejoice uh, with a scowl on your face. Uh, that is unless um, our, our minds are somewhere else and, and we're um, consumed by worry. And so because we are so easily consumed by worry, uh, we might find it difficult to praise the Lord with our whole heart, with all of our being. And this is where Psalm 146 meets us. Uh, Psalm 146 is the first of five hymns of praise that conclude the Psalms. Each of these hymns of praise begins and ends, and you can uh, read that in your Bibles, uh, begins and ends with the command, praise the Lord. And so there's, there's an emphasis on praising the Lord in, in these five psalms. They, they are celebrating the Lord's victory over sin and suffering, darkness and death. Uh, though there is much in this world that, that can worry us. So there, there is much in this world that seeks to rob us of our joy. God has promised to defeat evil to heal the hurting, to raise the dead, and ultimately to uh, fully and finally restore all things. And so with that in mind, there is there is much uh, for which we can praise the Lord. And thus, this psalm is inviting us to praise the Lord with our whole being and for our whole life. Uh, verse 1 begins with the command, praise the Lord. In Hebrew, uh, it's the familiar phrase, hallelujah. Uh, that, that word hallelujah is, is uh, broken up into uh, two parts, halal, uh, which means praise, and yah, which is a shortened form of Yahweh, the, the covenant uh, God of Israel. Thus, praise Yahweh or praise the Lord. It would be the, uh, the translation of that. Uh, this command is uh, in the plural, uh, which means it's not addressed to one singular person, but it's addressed to all of God's people. Uh, all of God's people are invited to praise 
the Lord. But what does it mean to praise the Lord? What does that look like? This is where uh, this is where we need Dean's dictionary. Hey, Dean, you know we uh, at Bible study, he'll often pull it out and and give us a, the definition for a particular word. Well, Webster uh, defines praise as the act of expressing approval or admiration, the offering of grateful homage in word or song as an act of worship. So that's, that's praise, according to, to Webster. Uh, some of the parallel verbs for praise in the Old Testament are uh, sing, make melody, tell, thank, glorify, magnify, extol, bless, evoke, Invoke, sorry, uh, rejoice. Those are kind of synonymous words for praise. And, and thus, to praise the Lord then is to admire the Lord, to thank the Lord, to honor the Lord, and to, to glorify the Lord. It means acknowledging that the Lord is our sovereign king, is he not? It is the Lord upon whom we are completely and utterly dependent. Now, the implication of this is, is huge. It means that our whole life should be lived in thanks and praise to the one true God. We, we should be eager, should we not, to offer up songs of praise to the Lord? Well, having commanded us to, to praise the Lord, the psalmist then commands his own soul. Praise the Lord, O my soul, he says. The psalmist commits himself to, to praising the Lord with his whole being. And all that is within me, praise his holy name. And, and also for his whole life. Look at verse 2. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have being. So as long as he has breath, he will praise the Lord. The, the psalmist wants us to praise the Lord, not, not just with the little time that, that we, we spend here on a, you know, a given Sunday morning, but with our whole life, our whole life long. Uh, one commentator writes, we are to praise God, not just for an hour a week in song, but with the whole of our being at all times and in all places. Our, our whole life, is to be a song of praise. As the Apostle Paul writes in, in Romans 12, verse 1, uh, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Our, our worship on, on Sunday morning shouldn't be the only time we, we praise the Lord, but we should set the tone for praise the rest of the week and for the rest of our lives. Our praise to God should, should spring up from an awareness of who God is and what he has done for us. God is the king of the universe. He made us and we are his. Every step we take, every breath we breathe is a gift from God. When we become aware of that, when we become aware of our total dependence upon God for our very existence, our whole life, becomes a song of praise to the Lord. Now, does this mean that we need to be singing all the time, right? Is this what 
what praising the Lord with our whole being for our whole life is this what it, is that what it looks like? You know, like the the hymn says, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Right? Is this is this what the psalmist is getting at? That we're always always singing. I don't believe the psalmist is saying that we need to literally sing all the time. Rather, it's it's the position of the heart. It's the posture of the individual. Are we recognizing our dependence on God? Are we acknowledging God as our creator and sustainer? Are we looking to God for our every need? Are we trusting God to provide for us? And our, our answers to these questions are going to reveal some things in our in our lives, in our hearts. They're, they're going to reveal whether or not we're praising the Lord, whether or not we, we truly trust the Lord for all things. You know, we, we won't praise the Lord if we don't trust him. Therefore, the psalmist continues in verse 3, put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. Israel had, had put their trust in the, in the king of Israel. And where did it get them? When the Babylonian armies carried the, the people away into exile. Right? The king didn't save them. The kings of other nations didn't save them. They went away into exile, trusting in that which could not ultimately save. Now we might think to ourselves, what a tragedy. But we do the same thing today. You know, people today put their trust in political leaders, in CEOs of companies, even in doctors. And while all these things are, are good things, they're legitimate things, they are not ultimate things. They cannot offer salvation. That's because verse 3 says that they are ben Adam, they are a son of man. They are earthlings. They are mere mortals. The psalmist continues in verse 4. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Well, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, the Lord said to Adam, By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. When their breath departs, the psalmist says, they will return to the earth, just like God said to Adam. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, describes the end of mortals like this. The dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Human beings are here today and gone tomorrow, so it seems. James chapter 4, verse 14 says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So then why would anyone put their trust in something so fleeting? Why would anyone put their trust in short-lived people with their short-lived plans? Instead, the psalmist turns his attention and ours to a more sure and steady foundation. Look at verse 5. 
Blessed is he, rather, whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord his God. First of all, what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be to be happy? Kind of covered that a little bit in our uh, look at Psalm 1 several weeks ago. Uh, one commentator writes, As the whole sweep of the Psalter makes clear, happiness is not the absence of pain and trouble, but the presence of a God who cares about human hurt and who acts on behalf of the afflicted and the oppressed. I like that definition of happiness. And this is why Jesus can say in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? Not simply because there will no longer be mourning, or crying or pain anymore for the people of God in the new heaven and the new earth, although that is true, but because God is present with his people in their mourning and in their persecution. He's not absent. He's present with us in such avenues. Therefore, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. In Psalm 121, verse 1, the psalmist is, is traveling to Jerusalem. It's one of, one of those uh, psalms of ascent. So he's, he's traveling to Jerusalem, and he calls out, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? And he answers his own question. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, we need to have the perspective of the psalmist. Right, in spite of the dangers facing him, he could dwell secure because his help was the God of Jacob and his hope was in the Lord his God. We would do well to do the same, to have a similar posture. In verses 6 to 7, the psalmist gives four reasons why we are blessed, why we are happy when our hope and trust is in the Lord. Reason number one, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. Right? The Lord is the creator of all things. He is eternal. Speaking of Christ, Colossians 1 verse 16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So in contrast to mortal princes whose plans die with them, the breath of the Lord will not depart. Therefore, put your trust in the Lord your God. Uh, the second reason we are blessed, we are happy, when our hope and trust is in the Lord is because he keeps faith forever. He keeps faith forever. Forever, The Lord is, is always faithful to his people, even when his people aren't faithful to him. That, that, that's comforting. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, what? He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. It is in God, in his very nature, to be faithful. 
when Israel was about to enter the promised land, Moses encouraged the people, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you, and he will not leave you or forsake you. What a promise. Because the same is true for us today. No, no matter what challenges, no matter what dangers or, or, or worries we face, if, if our help is the God of Jacob, if our hope is in the Lord our God, it is the Lord who goes with us and he will not leave us nor forsake us. He will not leave us nor forsake us. And therefore, put your trust in the Lord your God. Reason number three, we, we are blessed, we are happy when our hope and trust is in the Lord. Because verse seven, he executes justice for the oppressed. Uh, as we saw last week, the Lord is deeply concerned about justice in his world. 70, Psalm 72 verse one began, give the king your justice, O God. Unfortunately, we see much injustice in the world. Many people in this world are oppressed. Maybe you're one of them. But don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Why? Because the Lord who executes justice is on your side. How is that for a defense? Therefore, put your trust in the Lord your God. The, the fourth reason we are blessed, we are happy when our hope and trust is in the Lord is because he gives food to the hungry. All of us get hungry. We can go days, even weeks without food, but eventually we all need to eat. According to the psalmist, from where does our food come? It doesn't come from the grocery store. It doesn't even come from the farm. Where does it come? It ultimately is a gift from the Lord. And the God who created us has given us the food we need to live. He gives food to the hungry. Therefore, put your trust in the Lord your God. We can put our trust in the Lord our God because he's the creator of all things, because he's faithful, because he executes justice for the oppressed, and because he gives food to the hungry. Beginning with the last line of verse 7, the psalmist then lists seven acts that the Lord carries out for specific groups of people. Maybe you are in this list. Maybe you know someone in this list. Here's what the Lord carries out for these groups of people. First, the Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord liberates those who are enslaved or who are uh, unjustly imprisoned. Think of Joseph in Egypt, right? He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and, and imprisoned. Well, in Genesis 39, verse 21, we read that the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Right? Eventually, the Lord set him free. Later, the, the Lord would set free the Israelites enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt. The Lord sets the prisoners free. Second, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. 
as someone who is going blind, this one resonates with me. The, the Old Testament prophets use the, the imagery of blindness to describe the spiritual condition of people who were unable or unwilling to turn to God. They were spiritually blind. But physical blindness affected a lot of people in the ancient world. Yet the Lord said to Moses in Exodus 4, verse 11, Who made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? So even for these helpless people, there is hope. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Third, the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. In Psalm 57, verse 6, the psalmist sings of those who have it out for them, who have it out, who have it out for him. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. The psalmist was bowed down by discouragement, which is maybe something you can identify with this morning. The good news for discouraged people is that the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. Fourth, the Lord loves the righteous. He loves the righteous. Now, you know, we, we might think it's strange that the righteous would be included in this list of needy people. But we must remember that the righteous in the Psalms were, were constantly besieged and assaulted and oppressed. Psalm 34, verse 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. People who are, are right with God, who acknowledge their dependence on God, can trust him for their every need. They can know that the Lord loves the righteous. Fifth, the Lord watches over the sojourners. These are, are people who would have been considered resident aliens in Israel. They were easily exploited and often overlooked. In Deuteronomy 10, verses 18 to 19, we read that the, the Lord executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. And then he, he says to, to Israel, love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. I mean, think of the, the many refugees in our world today. The Lord watches over the sojourners. Sixth, the Lord upholds the widow and the fatherless. Orphans and, and widows were among the most helpless people in Israel. They had no father or husband to defend them. People often took unfair advantage of orphans and widows, and yet the Lord upholds the widow and the fatherless. And then notice the, the contrast in, in verse 9 uh, pertaining to the Lord's seventh act. So you see, the Lord upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. God's people need not fear the assaults of the wicked, for God will bring their way to ruin. Uh, one commentator uh, writing on this, this particular section writes that these words ring out like, a, like triumphant shouts. The Lord 
sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. The Lord upholds the widow and the fatherless. Well, what, what is this? What, what is this? It's, it's a battle cry announcing that salvation is coming. That salvation is on the way. Don't lose heart. Don't lose faith. God is coming. And, and thus, the, the psalmist ends with a note of assurance. One final reason we can trust God completely, if you haven't already been convinced. Verse 10, the Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Therefore, praise the Lord. Now, once again, we are reminded that the Lord will not die like human princes, but instead he will reign forever. He will reign forever. We, we may be consumed by, by worries of various kinds, but the Lord is greater than them all, is he not? He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He will reign forever. If we have put our trust in Jesus Christ, we can have this assurance that the psalmist is talking about, that the Lord will take care of us. After all, this is what Jesus said. This is what he taught in his Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 33, Jesus said, Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In other words, put not your trust in princes, and instead, blessed is he whose hope, whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord his God. Now, now you might say, okay, so what, what about those in the world who are imprisoned? You know, think, think of those in the, in the sex slave industry. There's just no way out. Uh, what about those who are blind, either physically or spiritually? What about those who are bowed down by discouragement or, or depression or you know, suicidal thoughts? What about those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, like Christians in any one of the 50 countries on the world watch list, put out by open doors? You know, well, what, what about um, all of the refugees that we're seeing all around the world? Well, what about uh, those who are orphaned and widowed? Can, can we really trust the Lord to fully and finally restore all things? When we look around at the world and it's just robbing us of our joy left, right and center. And the answer is, yes, we can. We can trust the Lord to fully and finally restore all things. Why? Because God sent his only son into the world in the person of Jesus Christ to die for our sins and to reconcile us to God. That's why. Now, Jesus, he began his earthly ministry proclaiming the time is fulfilled. The time is here. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Mark 1 verse 15. Later, in, in, uh, in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, Jesus read uh, from the, uh, the prophet Isaiah. 
Here's what Jesus says, or here's what he reads from, from the prophet Isaiah. The, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Uh, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What does that sound like? Well, that sounds like Psalm 146, does it not? But then Jesus says something really interesting. He says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 21. What did Jesus mean by that? Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Turn over to, to Matthew chapter 15. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 30 to 31, we, we, uh, we see Jesus' earthly ministry in its fullness. We, we see what he was talking about when he said the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. In, uh, in Matthew chapter 15, verses 30 to 31, it says, Great crowds came to him bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet, and he healed them, so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And, get this, they glorified the God of Israel. So what, what we're seeing here is that Jesus is performing the saving acts described in Psalm 146. He, he's demonstrating that he is the Messiah and that the kingdom of God is breaking into the world, right? He is the salvation that was declared way back here that's on the way. He is that salvation. And the result is that the people put their trust in Jesus Christ, okay, they're bringing all of these individuals who are in need, all these needy people to Jesus, and they praise the Lord. They glorify the God of Israel. Okay? Now, does that mean that all the prisoners were set free when Jesus came? No. In fact, John the Baptist was beheaded in prison. And again, this is the tension of Advent. In his first coming, Jesus inaugurated God's kingdom on the earth. It was breaking in. But it wasn't here in all of its fullness. He, he wasn't finished yet. He promised it to come again to bring the kingdom of God in all of its fullness to the extent that there will be no more prisoners or blind people or those who are bowed down or strangers or orphans or widows. The, the Apostle John received a glimpse of this glorious future for the people of God. In Revelation 21, verses 3 to 5, he, he hears a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Behold, the, the, the voice from the throne of heaven says, I am making all things new. 
That doesn't that make you want to sing for joy? I, I, I hope so. God, God has promised to fully and finally restore all things. And because God always keeps his promises, because he's faithful, we can trust him. No matter what dangers or troubles or worries we face in this life, what, whatever tries to rob us of our joy ought not to gain a foothold if our help is the God of Jacob and our hope is in the Lord our God. We can trust our faithful God and if we will fully trust the Lord, our whole life will be a song of praise to him. May those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, praise the Lord with their whole being and for their whole life and for all of eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for your care to be upon us. Help us in every need to put our trust and our hope in you alone. May we know the happiness of your salvation. And if there is anyone here who does not yet know the happiness of your salvation, may they know this today. And may all our life be a sacrifice of praise to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.